sick, but um, I'm glad I'm here today. And this is the message that's burned on my heart. So take a seat. Excited to preach. Before I preach, I wanted to just give you a bit of an update, church, that um, recently Jason Berry has started uni. He has started working, not working, doing study at the USQ. I have finally made it. I am smart now. All right? I, yeah, I'm making it. So, um, uh, it was about three weeks ago I started in the semester and um, felt God put on my heart a long time ago around this particular study and anyway I thought I'd rock up to the USQ for the first time and get my little sides, you know, bag, had a man bag, had everything in it. So I had two laptops, just one spare just in case, <laughs> probably three notebooks, plenty of pens, I had highlighters, sticky notes, everything that you Google what a uni you know, person should have, I had in that bag. I had charges, I had everything, and I rocked up, and um, first of all, I had to try and find where I was meant to go, so I was asking questions, and eventually found myself in the USQ library, so I actually found myself even more smarter, because I was in a library, right, a library with books, you know, books, right, and young people, books, pages, right, yeah, so I grabbed the book that I was meant to be reading, because I couldn't access it online on that day, and and um, I sat myself down in front of a computer that I can hook my laptop up to, and I had two screens going. I probably had four things at once. Google was there, USQ, the page was there. Um, the, the book eventually popped up online, frustratingly, it was up there. And so everything was on my screen, and I sat there for three hours reading, which is something I probably struggle at. I shouldn't struggle as a 27-year-old, but I, I do struggle with a bit of reading and retaining it. And as I was reading for three hours, um, that was fun. Um, yes, it was fun. And uh, then I actually left, packed everything back up, hopped in the car, sat in the car park um, of the USQ there, and I realised for the last three hours, even though I had read a lot, I did absolutely nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing. I was sitting there with a screen, a Word document was still had a blank page. It said assignment one blank. Nothing was there. I'd done a lot of reading, but for whatever reason, in that three hours, procrastination, whatever it might have been, I then sat in the car and thought to myself, man, am I meant to be doing this? God, did you really put this on my heart to do this study? And I started to doubt. I started to question. I started to get worried about, oh, I've already started this. Can I get out of this? Is this right sort of thing? Got emotional. Sitting in the car, probably students are walking past the car going, look at that guy having a moment in the car. I was probably in the car for an hour. And eventually, bit of worship music, bit of his peace, settled me down, went home, talked to my wife about it, and she was reminding me on, you know, what God had said and how you are, you're starting this. But this word doubt definitely was stuck in my heart for that hour in that car. And I think this is a bit like our faith at times. If we're honest and we're genuine and we're raw with ourselves today, as Christians, as people of faith, this can be similar to our walk. We can get really confident, we can get excited, we can have a toolkit, we can have the word in our hands, we can have the praise and worship in the car, we can have scriptures written down on a wall and sticky notes or whatever it might be, we can have everything ready to go, a bit like I was with uni, but then all of a sudden something can happen and all of a sudden it goes from confidence, passion, excitement, you know, being ready, being eager, being on fire for God and all of a sudden within a moment or within a season or within a circumstance, we can all of a sudden go from that to this moment of despair and doubt and worry and confusion and questioning. And I think it is really important for us today to acknowledge that in moments in our faith, in our walk with God, that we can have moments where we actually either doubt, 
question, worry. And why do we do that, church? Because I think it's a bit of a scary subject to talk about doubts. Oh, you can't doubt. You've got to have faith, brother. Come on, you know, sort of thing, right? But I think if we're real with ourselves, we can have moments where we can doubt, where God, where are you in this? What's going on? Because we are emotional, we are physical beings on top of being spiritual beings. So our faith comes from our spirit. Where we have a soul and a body that is constantly in competition in most of our situations in life where we can have doubts sometimes come to the surface instead of faith. And having this journey with God, and God loves having the journey with us, but his heart breaks in the moments when we doubt, when we worry, when we question, but he never ever gives us shame or guilt. We've got to go to in church. And what I want to unpack today is around this subject of doubt. And two quotes I want to mention before I read into the scripture that we're going to unpack today. Pope Francis once said, Who among us has not experienced insecurity, loss, and even doubts on their journey of faith? We've all experienced this, me too. Charles Spurgeon, famous Christian writer, he, he said, I think when a man says, I never doubt, it's quite time for us to doubt him. The scripture I want to unpack today in his word and how powerful is his word, how, how prudent is his word for our walk. We can't do this life, we can't be effective in our faith without reading his word, without getting to know his voice, which is found in his love letter to us. And I want to unpack um, Matthew 14, 24 to 33. Some of you guys might know this story. I've actually shared this story from this platform once this year. I've already shared it in a chaplaincy context as well with some chaplains. And, and um, I can sit here and sometimes think to myself and get so surprised with God and how when we're looking at a particular scripture and how we can think we got it down pat. I think we've exhausted the, the, the life that comes out of that word, that particular phrase, that particular sentence, or even just that word by itself. But God has other plans in seasons, in different moments of our life. So I'm looking at this from the fresh perspective around this subject of doubt today. And we're starting in verse 24, chapter 14. So Peter and his disciples have gone into a boat. They're now in the middle of this, uh, you know, the, the water. And Jesus has said, look, just go out to the other side. They've just had a big ministry day. They've had many things happen. In fact, one of the most famous miracles was the loaves and, and the fishes, right? You know that story, multiplication. If not, look it up. It's in Matthew. It's a cool story. And so there's a lot of crazy things that are happening in the day, a lot of miracles, a lot of wonders. Jesus being on fire that day. He's got A plus by the disciples' point of view as well. And they're like, this is a good day. All right. So Jesus then goes, all right, I need my own space. We're going to send everyone away. You guys go out in a boat. All right. Bit of context. Or Jason Berry's context. Here we go. So, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. Unusual way to meet the disciples. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to preach your word. I pray it's not me that people see, but it's you through me. I pray that we will be open, malleable in our heart, teachable in our heart to hear something fresh around the subject of doubt so we can go deeper in our understanding and our relationship with you today. Reveal it through your word today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. The title of the message today is When We Doubt. Everyone say, when we doubt. Turn to someone, say, when you doubt. Now say it back to the other person. The other way around. That's it, when when we doubt. So, first of all, I want to answer the question, what is doubt? Might be a pretty basic question for some people, people that don't know. So doubt in the context of this is being of two minds or in between. Bit like being on the fence, right? So you can be out here and you can be on fire for God and all of a sudden we're sort of gravitating a little bit to the middle. We haven't gone right over this side, we're just sort of in between. We're weighing up our options because of different things. And I'm going to unpack that today of when we doubt and what makes us doubt. The earliest example of this actually in the Bible, in our history, is found in Genesis chapter 3. There's a guy called Satan. Satan, right? We know Satan, the devil. And so we can often preach a lot about Jesus, a lot about God, and forget there actually is a foe. There is the other guy, all right? When it comes to our spiritual journey with our faith, There is God and there is the devil, all right? These are the facts. And so the devil, right from the beginning, in the form of a serpent, he was cunning and he was secretive and he got up to Eve. And the direction that God had actually given Adam and Eve was you can take from any of the trees, any of the garden, everything, except this one. And get this, we're talking about the subject of doubt. Satan says, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And then the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruits of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent, get this, said to the woman, you will not surely die. And starts to unpack a bit of a justification of, you know, how you can get the action behind, you know, the the doubt in there. And so we can now come to the conclusion that some people think, well, doubt is just from the devil. Literally, from the devil, from Satan, it's there. So when we have those doubt moments, that's just the devil sowing a seed of doubt, which is true, and he can still do that today. But I think there is also a second player in this, and sometimes we don't want to acknowledge it, and it's called ourself, coming from within our own heart because of different situations, life choices, whatever things we find ourselves in, not just the devil, and sometimes we give him too much credit, church, we are, it's always the devil attacking, we're always doing this sort of thing, and yes, he can do certain things to us, but I can tell you right now, majority of our life and the choices that we find ourselves in, the circumstances, where does doubt, where does that questioning with God come from? I think it comes from within here. It comes from that physical and emotional experiences that we have as part of our faith journey. So what I want to do today is I want to answer the question, you know, when we doubt, what do we do? by also talking about what can make us doubt at the same time and what God has been saying to myself to say to you guys today around this scripture that is Peter walking on the water. So, my first, there's three things, and there's many things that can make us doubt. 
I get that. But three main things that I know for my personal walk, for my journey over the years. I'm 27, I'm a young pup in this, people. But I know I've had these moments, and I want to share from what God's been doing in my life, and hopefully encourages, inspires, maybe even challenges some of us today, as it has for me when I've been prepping this. So the first thing is, our fear can make us doubt. Our fear can make us doubt. I don't know about you, but when you're a little kid and you're walking up to the bed in the middle of the dark and you've, you know, turned the lights all off, mum and dad maybe said, you know, good night, and you're walking up to the bed and all of a sudden you do this little thing. You know what I'm talking about? It's not like a little skip before the bed, it's a skip onto the bed. Why? Because there's always a monster under the bed, all right? I tell you right now, okay? Any kids here today? You might believe there's a monster under the bed, I'm telling you, there isn't a monster under the bed, but we think there's a monster under the bed, so then we make a little little jump, little leap, whatever it might be. I'm a bit of a bigger guy now, so I don't know what the bed's going to do if I do that more often than not, right? But um, what happens is even, this is a bit of a, you know, a vulnerable statement for me to say, um, but as a 27-year-old male, every now and then Mel has caught me, my wife has caught me, do a little whoop, a little pop onto the bed. Now, I'm a grown man. I know it's not a monster under the bed. It's packed with blankets. It's got all this random stuff under the bed. I know a monster can't even fit under that bed in the first place, so I'm logicking it, right? I'm trying to justify and so yet, because of my experience as a little kid, thinking there was a monster under the bed, and Dad did hide under the bed one time, people. Okay, that was traumatic. <laughs> I, still haven't, I still haven't forgiven him. But that, there's those moments, and even later on in life, that little bit of fear starts to creep up, a bit of a scared emotion kicks in, and even if I don't realise I'm doing it, I'm, I'm sort of just doing a little leap anyway. And I, I know that even another situation where I was at my auntie's place, a bit of a property, farming property, and... I know I was um, sneaking out late at night to try and get out to the shed, mucking around with some tools and everything while Dad was asleep, the only time I could get away with it. Dad, if you're listening, this is the first time you're hearing, sorry. And so um, I got into the shed, mucking around with tools. I know I broke a couple of tools at one time. Sorry, Dad. And so as I was coming back from the shed, this is about 2 a.m. in the morning, in a place I hadn't been, like I'm not familiar with, out at Yalabin, if you know where Yalabin is, you're laughing at Yalabin, that's at the pub, anyway, whatever. And so as I'm there... I find myself hearing this noise, and then, you know, so I'm like, oh man, this is a ghost, like this, seriously, a little kid running around, something's chasing me, right? This fear starts to kick in. The first, you know, people say my logic sometimes a bit whack, but then my logic was, it, it was sound, it saved me on this night. So as I climbed a tree, got to the top of the tree, and it was a pretty sturdy tree, it had branches everywhere, so I'm sitting in it, pretending to be a bird, just sitting there thinking, five, ten minutes, that sound's going to stop. It kept going all night, to the point where I actually woke up to sunlight. So for about three, four hours, I was in a tree, sleeping, like a, like a I don't know, like a cougar, cheetah in the African, whatever. You know, whatever. So I'm getting the picture, right? I'm on the branches, I'm sitting there, I'm full of sleep, and I wake up to the reality because the sound kept going. Now I could see daylight is there. I could see it was a post and just tin, just slapping against itself. And so I'm sitting there going, I'm an idiot. I climbed a tree scared of a fence post and tin. It's out there to get you people. I was scared of that. But it's funny how fear can make us doubt. Fear of losing someone, fear of losing a job, fear of danger, fear of missing out, fear of the future. And if we look at this particular scripture, we see that Peter and the disciples, when they see Jesus out in the water, what was their first response? They cried out for fear. They thought he was a ghost, thought he was a spirit. 
And so there's fear, a bit of doubt, like what is going on? So this is the first stage that I'm unpacking here today. And I think even when we fear for the future, that's a big one for me. I often, my wife has to remind me, don't worry about tomorrow, you know? And the famous scripture that's in Matthew, and uh, Matthew 6, 34, it says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now we can read that church, and we can believe that, but for whatever reason, sometimes a bit of that fear, that scared, that anxiety about tomorrow, whether it's a particular thing to do with work, job, relationship, finances, whatever it might be, waiting back for a medical report, we're still worried about it. So how, how do we do this? How do we play out this scripture? And I think that when it comes to facing these doubts, when we have these doubt moments, it needs to be more than just reading, more than just reading a scripture or memorizing a scripture, but actually speaking it out over our life and declaring it despite how we feel and what's going on in here, right? And I think even when we, Pastor Brennan was up here sharing it, Jesus over everything, Jesus over my everything, it's easy to sing and it's easy to be in this environment and a bit of emotion is a part of it because we are human beings, we're emotional beings as well. But in our spirit, that is when faith is rising up. This is why we have gathering, this is why we come together as a church to encourage and stir each other on. Iron sharpens iron. We're not cutting each other. We're sharpening each other. There will be sparks at times. But I can promise you when we come together, it reminds us, it sort of aligns ourselves back onto that journey, that faith journey that we individually then walk out Monday through Saturday. Speaking it, not just reading it. It actually says in, in part of the scripture, it says, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him. Get this, Peter answered him. There's action, there's words he spoke. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Peter's now declaring, he's speaking out, if it is you, tell me to come out on the water, which is not a logical statement. Like if someone was floating and I said, hey, you know, like, let's go. Um, I'll just step on the water if you call out to me. I don't know how I'll go with that. But Peter in that moment, faith rising up going, you know what? If it is you, Jesus, call me out on the water because I know you can get me through. And this is where our words, more than just reading, is really powerful when it comes to those moments of doubt. The second thing in the scripture that I can unpack is our viewpoint can make us doubt. Our viewpoint can make us doubt. When he saw the wind. So Peter's now walking on the water, and when he looked down, when he looked left and right, when he saw the wind, all of a sudden he started to sink. That doubt started to kick in. The reality of what is actually happening in the physical started to kick in rather than just looking straight ahead. I know that when growing up, I did a lot of swimming and my coach would often say, you need to constantly just follow that line that's down the bottom of the lane. If it's in the pool, try and find that line, try and find some guide and keep yourself just going. Do not look left and right. Because he even said that the science behind swimming and racing is that when you look left and right, you're losing milliseconds. And in swimming and even in running, that can be first or second, down to the milliseconds. And often I would find myself, when I'm swimming along, I would not realise that potentially I might be coming first. And then when I look left or right, I can see, oh, there's a person now. Okay, just keep going. I keep checking on them. And every time I kept checking, I realised, why are they getting, like, all of a sudden they're now in front. And the coach actually would pull me up times. I couldn't help it. I kept looking left and right. And it would actually slow me down in my race so that I wouldn't come first, second, wouldn't even make the podium sometimes. So what our viewpoint is really is a dictate, it dictates how we walk our face. So what is your viewpoint today? What is your focus? Where are you looking? 
Are your eyes fixed on Jesus or are they looking a bit too much at what's happening around and are in the waves? It's a bit hard sometimes to navigate this, but where our focus is, is a big factor when it comes to that doubt and that faith that we're balancing. You know, over um, the last year, I've found particularly in my chaplaincy role at the high school, um, at the two schools I'm at, where I find that there's times of thoughts that would come from inside here that I would think I'm not being effective or I'm not doing, maybe, God, what, what are you doing in this? I don't feel like this is, this is effective. I, I feel like there's too many barriers, too many walls, particularly around faith in the school, being a faith person. And I got myself to a point where I was just sitting there going, oh, man, I'm considering, do I do this or not? It's a bit scary because I've got, I got my bosses here and they're all here listening to this. And they've heard a bit of this as well. But there's, there's moments where I, I just have those doubt moments where I, where I just question and go, what, what, is, what is the point of this? I just feel like I'm running flat into the ground all the time. There's so many barriers. And there was one moment where I was working with a kid and a lot of breakthrough was happening with this kid with their mental health. And I worked with him for like over a, a fair amount of weeks. So probably about five, six appointments with this kid. And I got myself to a point where I was like, okay, God, just help me with this. Because he put this kid on my heart. I firmly believe that God put this kid on my heart. And then all of a sudden, the mum found out I was catching up with the kid, which is completely fine. Parents, you know, the kid just told the mum or whatever. But then the mum goes, nah, I don't want you catching up with the chaplain because he's some faith guy, some Christian guy. I don't want that sort of support. And this misconception of what the chaplain was, then all of a sudden, she rang up the school and put no for chaplaincy for that kid. I was heartbroken. The kid was frustrated. I was like hitting a wall. And I was like, seriously? And in that moment, I was doubting. I was like, man, okay, that's it. Because of all my experiences, this has crossed the line now. Like, seriously, I'm like, I'm, I, I'm making this breakthrough with this kid, but I've hit this wall. And all of a sudden, then I get this feeling, or this gut, you know, we talk about the gut feeling. We question whether it's God or not, or our own thoughts, a good thought or God thought sort of thing. And as I'm driving out of the school, and that, it was like the, that two days after afternoon, I then felt, you know, God put on my heart, like, you just got to call the mum. You just got to call the mum. There's a long story to this. It's a short version, trust me. And so as I'm now calling the mum, the mum that actually didn't want her kid to talk to me, I'm now talking to that mum, finding out she's an atheist, finding out she doesn't want anything to do with Christianity or faith. And I've hit this wall, remember, with the kid. And I just kept going, you know what? I get that, but I just feel like God's put on my heart. Or I didn't say that to her, but I said, I just feel like you need to check on your son like ASAP. And in that moment, she hangs up the phone and I'm like, okay, you know, the worst that can happen is she's probably going to complain tomorrow or whatever, but I'm still, I'm still okay, you know, with, within my binds, professional boundaries. And then she goes into the room of her son where she found the son with a whole bunch of medicine and about to take that. Now, there's a lot of different background story with this that I can't share today. But this kid was about to take all this medicine and really hurt himself, let's put it that way. And so the next morning, I didn't know this happened. The next morning, the mum comes into the school with her son, into the front office, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, I'm in trouble. Oh, man. Sorry, Ed. That must be the mum. Okay. Someone's, I've, I've done something wrong. I'm ready to try and justify, trying to think of a good thing. I'm ready to ring Carlos and Phil going, hey, something happened, whatever, you know, freaking out. The doubt's still there, right? And... Then the mum sits down with me. She actually asks the deputy to leave the room. And it's just me and her talking with her son outside. And she goes, why did you get me to check on your son? 
I said, oh, I just felt like you needed to check. Yeah, but why? And I actually was pretty direct with her then. Conversation said, God put on my heart. You know, I don't believe in God. And this big pause just breaks down. And in that moment, she's now open to this idea that God actually cares about her son. Maybe God can care about me too. And this is the conversations I've had over the next two weeks with the mum. And it's, it's really cool how we can have those doubt moments. And our viewpoint is nothing is working out, and yet God just still does a, a curveball of his grace, his love, his hope, his faith. And I encourage you guys that no matter what your viewpoint is, it can make us doubt. But when that faith rises up, when we go, you know what, this is my view right now, this is the waves, but I just need to get my eyes back on him, just like Peter did. But in this moment, he starts to sink. It says in Hebrews 12 too, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Faith doesn't come from anywhere else except through Jesus. Perfecter, he is the author. He's the pioneer of our faith. We need to run to him. And the final one is our situation can make us doubt. Our situation can make us doubt. At this point, Peter is now sinking and he is in the waves. And I don't know about, don't know about you, church, but I found myself in recent times under the waves getting smashed left and right with situations, medical situations with family, financial situations, jobs questioning, and all these things are coming at me. And I forget, because the doubt is kicking in, that all I need to do is reach out. John C. Ry- uh, John Charles Riles, a famous Christian author, he says, doubting does not prove that a man has no faith, but only that his faith is small. And even when our faith is small, the Lord is ready to help. Jesus' final words to Peter in that moment, he says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And he doesn't do that in a condemnation, shame, guilt way. He's just sitting there going, reflect on this. Why did you doubt? Just keep your eyes on me. It's going to be okay. And maybe today you feel like you're under the water. You're struggling to survive. You're struggling to stay afloat in this world, even with your own faith journey with God. But often it's doubt that we think pulls us away from God, but it's doubt that actually if you let God use and do something in that season, doubt can be the thing that actually makes you go deeper in God. That's when we're real with our faith because not everything is rainbow, skittles and lollipops. Not everything is perfect in in this faith journey. The only thing that's perfect is Jesus, not us. And so if you're in a moment today, and this is really why I wanted to share this message, because I know I've been through seasons where I've just reached out to God and there's seasons where I haven't reached out and I found myself in such dark place where I tried to, I guess, fake it to make it, where I never questioned the existence of God, but I did a lot of questioning of God, where are you? What's going on with this? I thought I was called to this. I thought I was going to do this. And this is all the viewpoint, my situation, and that fear kicking in, all of a sudden doubt was regular in my mind. I can encourage you right now, the most authentic prayers you can do in your life is actually shouting out, crying out from a doubt. What I mean by that is when you're doubting and you're scared to share that with God or with another uh, person of faith, you can actually put a wall there yourself. Doubt didn't do that. But when we share out of doubt, out of our hurts, out of our pain, out of our, out of our worries, the worries about f- the future, worries about the situation, what we're seeing right now, when we cry out from that place, God comes right there in that moment and pulls you up. It might not be in the way that you think, but He comes and He pulls you out. He pulls you up. He supports you. He puts His arms around you, running to the Father as we worship. Doubt isn't the wall between you and God. God isn't dictated by a doubt, by the way. He's not like, oh, well, He's doubting. 
I can't do anything, you know, I'm God, but I can't really do anything with that, you know, sort of thing. But he is going, come to me with that doubt. Come to me with your worries. Come to me with your pain. Come to me with your relationship struggles. Come to me with your financial issues. Come to me with the medical report. Just come to me. All the, all the answers, all that sort of stuff that you're chasing, just put that aside for a second. Just come to me. Perfecter, the pioneer of your faith. Our fear, our viewpoint, our situation won't stop God, but we can put a wall up sometimes because we're worried about what people think or even what God thinks with our doubt. But if you're doubting here today, young person or older person, it's okay. Maybe you need to hear that. You're not less of a person. You're not down here and I'm up here because I've got it all together with my faith right now. That's not how God's love works. That's not how His His unimaginable, unconditional grace works. So I just want to pray with you today, church. If everyone can close their eyes, bow their heads just for privacy. This is between you and God. In fact, I'm not even going to look. And so if you're here today and you're struggling with maybe why God, where are you, God? How is this going to work, God? And that doubt is starting to creep in a little bit. If that's you, I'm going to pray for you but particularly pray that you would be open to go first to God, to go to Jesus, perfecter and pioneer of your faith, and let Him just know with your words, not with your thoughts, just your words to Him. You know what, God, I'm doubting, I'm struggling, I'm I'm going through this right now, but I just want to come to you. Remind me. Let me get immersed in your word. Remind me of scriptures. Remind me of what you put on my heart maybe it was a day ago, that week ago sort of thing. That's still true, God. You know, get those reminders from Him. So if that's you today, if you're struggling with why God, where are you, God? How can this work, God? I thought I was called to this, God. I thought this was going to work out, God. That person, God, I'm struggling with forgiveness with that person, God. I'm, I'm down with this. Whatever it might be, if you're struggling with that doubt around any of that, I just want you to raise your hand to God right now. Father, I pray for all these people. I pray that whatever the cause of their doubts, whatever the cause of their worry, whatever the cause of the viewpoints, the situation, the fear that's come up, whether it's from the past and it's still ongoing or it's fresh today, this morning, we pray that we would just come to you with open arms, with nothing between us, knowing that you don't bring shame, you don't bring guilt, You don't bring condemnation. You don't go, oh, you've got to do this first. No, you just embrace us right now in this moment. So embrace every person right now with their hands up that needs that more than ever because of what they're going through. And I pray for the whole church family right now that we would get around these people, that you would um, create moments, God. Maybe it's in the foyer today. Maybe it's even this auditorium after worship for the right person to come up to them and go, you know what, are you okay? Are you really okay? Can I help? And speak through that person, Father, in Jesus' name. We just thank you so much that we can approach you with a raw, genuine, authentic relationship. Not ones that pretend, not fake it till you make it. A raw, genuine relationship full of good moments, bad moments, the confident moments, the doubt moments, the victories, and the losses. We just run to this race 
that you have for us, Father, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the perfecter and the pioneer of our faith. Help us today, help all of us today to be real with our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Baby, funny, sort of encouraging message as I probably normally do, but I just felt on my, on my heart just to talk about this subject that I think is a bit of an elephant in the room subject, doubt, oh, I'm doubting, I can't even talk to anyone about this. But maybe the practical thing you do right now, because of that practice, the faith, you know, that rise up, Peter speaking out and going, you know what, Jesus, it is you, I'm gonna step out. Maybe the step out moment today is in the foyer, here, with a family member, someone who's close. Maybe sometimes that's so awkward. And that's sad that we can be really awkward around even people closest to us. I know through seasons of doubt, even while I've dated Mel and now married to Mel, that there's moments where I felt this awkwardness, oh, do I bring this up? So I know that if it's for me, I know that's at least one person here today that feels the same. And I just wanna encourage you that God's confidence is way better than any of our confidence. We just need to run to Him, open up to someone, and I encourage us as a church, we respond not with any judgment, not with shame, not with worry, We just respond with, hey, how can I help? Hey, that's okay. Thank you for being honest with me. Let's go to God with it. Let's pray together, whatever it might be. Let's do that together as a church today. Thanks, church.